You know what it is. That's right. It's time to talk money with your money nerd and financial coach. Now, tighten those purse strings and open those ears. It's the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. So today I have Derek Mobley on the line. He is a native of the Piedmont Triad, which is where I live. Um, After graduating from Chapel Hill, he moved to Guilford County in 2009 for graduate school at the Bryan School at UNCG. Go Spartans! Um, Derek is passionate about education and economic development. For example, he enjoys participating in local organizations such as the Greensboro JCs, which is where we met, um, Future Fund. Wyndham Championship and Junior Achievement. And I'm so happy to have Derek on because he is a pivotal person in the community and um, he really knows his stuff. So thank you so much, Derek, for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I'm going to jump right in because what you came to talk about, it's something that you're very passionate about and a lot of people don't really know, including myself. And so I was like, this would be a perfect opportunity because not only does this topic, um, you know, not many people know about it or talk about it, but it impacts all of our lives on a daily basis. And what that is, is how the finance side of the local government works and how it impacts our lives. So let's just start with how how does the finance of a city work or a county mm-hmm. work? Sure. Yeah. So uh, and you know I'll preface it with uh, you know we have fifty states, so you know sometimes different states can do it slightly differently. So I'll be coming from the perspective of North Carolina, and I may talk a little bit about you know some of the the variations. Uh, but, you know, one of the things to know, you know, immediately is kind of the state, you know, like North Carolina or Alabama, wherever, is really kind of the foundation of our national government, you know, because we started out as 13 colonies. So it's just, you know, one of those things to get your perspective. If you go overseas or something, you know, kind of the national government is sort of the head. But really, you know, in the United States, it's the states that are kind of the foundation. Uh, And the reason I say that is because that ties into your local government. So, you know, like the cities and the counties in North Carolina, for example, they're all created by our state legislature. So that's the first thing to keep in mind is that, you know, the city government and the county government, basically everything that they can do and all their borders are all defined by your state legislature. So that's why it's really important, you know, to understand, you know, who your state legislators are and what they're working on, because at any time they can come in and and change this. Mm. And so, so, you know, that's to say they, you know, give the local government the authority to tax you. Uh, So that's why, you know, it's important to understand that. So the city and local governments, the way they're primarily financed is number one, you know, property taxes. So, you know, that's the taxes that you pay on your house. They also charge you different fees for the services they provide. So, you know, like when you get your water bill, you know, usually if you live in the city, that water bill is coming from the city. Um, And then they can also do things like sales taxes. So that's, those are the main things, property taxes, usage fees, and occasionally uh, sales taxes. And again, all those things that they can charge you are set by the the state legislature. Hmm, interesting. So, so, okay. So let me just break it down for my audience. So we have the federal government, which is kind of like its own kind of thing, but it's really the states that really affect us on a daily basis. So we have the state 
government and then the state kind of dictates what the cities and counties do. Right, exactly. Gotcha. So with that being said, if we want change, do we look at our local governments or do we look at our state government? So I guess it kind of depends on, you know, where you want the change to happen. So, you know, again, it's like your, your local government has the ability to property tax you, for example. So if you want property taxes to change, one way that you can do that is by, you know, coming and speaking to your local elected officials or getting involved, you know, with candidates because they can raise or lower your property taxes. They have the authority to do that. Uh, but, you know, then again, if you're not satisfied with what they're doing, it is, you know, possible to go to kind of the state legislative level and you could have a broader, you know, generally the states, they don't like to get involved in like your particular county, but they can pass a law, you know, that says, hey, property taxes can't be applied to this set, you know, of goods or something like that. Like if you don't want to tax bread or, or something like that, you know, that would be something the state legislator might get involved in. So, you know, it kind of, it depends on how far you get, but I would definitely say you start at the local level. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So we know how the money, um, how the government gets money. So now, okay. So, and we know that affects us by, you know, we have to pay our taxes and things like that. Um, but also how does that affect us, you know, as far as how they spend money? Right. How they, I mean, you know, again, one of the other things that makes the state and local governments different from the national government is, you know, they usually have to have a balanced budget. So, you know, like the national government can run a deficit and, you know, we know that's happening, <laughs> you know, right now, but like, you know, where we live in Guilford County every year, you know, they have to propose a budget and every dime, you know, basically has to be accounted for. Um, and, you know, they can issue bonds if they want to, but, you know, if they don't, then, you know, something has to get cut out. Um, so, you know, when, whenever they're providing you services, uh, you know, if the revenue isn't sufficient to cover those services, you know, you have to know that those services are going to end up getting cut, you know, so like property taxes, they fund your, you know, they fund your schools, they can fund different, you know, social programs. And so if property tax revenue is going down, you know, they can't just borrow money to fill the gap. So you have to know some of those services are going away. Um, the other thing I think that's, that's actually pretty good about local government, you know, compared to the national government, is it, it seems like it's more transparent, at least to me. Um, you know, again, I'm speaking from Guilford County and, and, you know, Greensboro, where we live, they publish their budgets, you know, every year. And, you know, it's not like 50,000 pages, it's usually a couple hundred pages. So, you know, again, it's not easy, but you'll get to see, you know, this is where all the money is that came in. And these are all of the programs that you spend it on. So I feel like it's, it's a lot easier for you to know what's going on and try to formulate an opinion than it is, you know, at the state or the national level. So I'm not sure if that answered your question exactly, but. No, but, and I, I agree with that because I'm one of those people that opens up every single piece of mail that comes in the house. And so mm -hmm. when I open up my, like, let's say water bill, for instance, it tells you like how much your charges are. And then it also says if they're going to do an increase and why they're going to do an increase, like they give a lot of information here locally. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a matter of tapping into that information. So that way you can be aware of what changes are going to happen, if any, right? Right, exactly. 
Um, now, one thing that you did mention that I kind of want to backtrack to just so we can have more of an understanding. Um, you said that the city or the county or whoever can issue bonds. What does that mean exactly mm -hmm. for the audience? So, you know, they, the city and the county and, you know, municipal people, they can issue, you know, what's called a bond, which is basically, a, you know, it's a loan. It's, it's very similar to like, if you were to buy a house, right? Like you buy a house, you could put a certain amount of money down and then you get a mortgage from a bank. And that mortgage is, you know, basically, basically contingent on your income. So, you know, the city and county governments can do the same thing as they, they basically, and it has to come to the voters. That's the other thing is they can't just, most of the time they can't just decide they're going to borrow money. They have to do a referendum for you to vote on it. And then, you know, basically they're authorized to borrow this certain amount of money. And then what they pledge against it is the property taxes, you know, the fees. So they're basically, when they borrow that money, they're pledging the future money that they're going to collect from you towards paying that off. Uh, and, you know, the biggest example is, you know, for schools is if you want to build a new school or you want to reconstruct a bunch of different schools, that can be very expensive. Um, and a lot of times you can't just pay for that out of the ongoing revenue, you know, from the state. So they'll issue a bond and then they'll pay it off over time. So that's, that's kind of how that works. So just to kind of like bring it back home, it's like when we had to vote on that school bond thing that was at like the bottom of the ballot and it was like, right. you no, know, you, you check yes or no. Um, and they said this will go towards, you know, um, getting rid of some schools, but updating others and just like a whole school overhaul thing. And, right. you know, a lot of times, you know, just as a regular voter, usually we just bypass that. We're just like, eh, well, I don't know, whatever, you know, yeah. um, but this stuff is really important because it, it may affect, you know, maybe your taxes or other things, right? Right. And, and I'll say the interesting thing to know about that, you know, uh, again, this is getting a little close, you know, to, you know, Greensboro or Guilford County, but it's applicable overall, is they had that, you know, the bond piece on there. And there was another piece on there for a sales tax increase. And basically they were supposed to be tied together, you know, because they're going to issue that bond. So that means there's going to be, you know, more tax money that they're going to need to pay for. And, you know, their kind of proposal was to pay for it by increasing a sales tax, you know, not increasing property taxes. And so the bond passed, but the sales tax did not. So, you know, so what, yeah, people don't like to have their taxes go up, but what that means, right. Uh, you know, this is one of those assuming nothing else happens, right is, you know, over time, the county is going to have to pay the money back for those bonds uh, to fix those schools. And that's going to come out of the tax revenue. So that means there's going to be less tax revenue available for other services. So, you know, you know, by voting for the bond and voting against the, the sales tax increase, you know, that puts the county in the position of, you know, unless something else changes, they may have to decide to cut other services in the future to pay for the school reconstruction. So, you know, number one, you, that's why you should always vote. And then number two, definitely, you know, you understand what the impact is of how you vote, right? If you, if you vote for more spending and not higher taxes, you're kind of, you're voting for cutting services somewhere else. So just, you know, under, understand that. 
Right. And that's important, though, because a lot of times, you know, when we go in to vote, we're just like, okay, you know, usually people vote straight down the line, whatever it is that they agree with. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when it gets to like those little things like, oh, no, I don't want to get taxes taken out. But yeah, we have more schools, you know. (laughs) So um, but it's important to realize and, you know, I just want to drive this point home to my audience is like everything is connected, Everything is connected in some way. So even if, like Derek was saying, we didn't vote for the sales tax to get approved, well, guess what? Now something else is probably going to have to, you know, diminish a little bit so that way they can make sure that they can cover because it has to balance. It's not like the federal government. So that is an excellent point. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, So hopefully that inspires some people to do more research um, when it comes time to vote to really understand like what the implications are of A, maybe not voting, or B, you know, voting and you're not quite sure why you're voting a certain way. So um, Mm -hmm. I think that was, thank you for sharing that because that is so super important. So um, there, so, okay, so let me back up a little bit because, you know, I, I love that you're a government expert um, because we've never talked about this on the show. And so we have the government can, and we're talking about state, local government, they can get money from us to fund their programs by taxes. Um, And that looks like property tax, sales tax, you know, whatever other taxes they have. And then Mm -hmm. bonds, are there any other ways that they can fund the budget? I mean, one of the other main ways is is grants. So that is one thing, especially at the county level. And again, the grants can come from the state or the national government where, you know, if you want to do a special type of program, you know, like the national government, the state government all the time, you know, they will fund to, to make that happen. Like, again, I know here in Guilford County, uh, I work with the Transportation Advisory Board and a lot of their funding, you know, basically what one of their main things is providing service to, you know, like senior citizens who are in poverty. So, you know, you think about it, they need to get to the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. They may not have a car, may not be able to drive. So, you know, how do they get there? So there is a program that the county operates to try to help those people get transportation, but it requires money, right? Um, and so a lot of that money comes from the uh, from state and federal grants. Uh, and again, you, you tie that back, those grants at the state and federal level, again, are coming from tax revenue or future tax revenue, but that's not necessarily local. It could be, you know, the taxes come from all over the country or all over the, the state. So- that's the third, I'd say, biggest way. And so I'm glad you brought that up because here's another question and kind of connection if there's one. Um, so like, for instance, with Medicaid and Medicare and mm-hmm. food stamps and all of these different um, programs that are put into place by state, they are mm-hmm. still funded by federal somewhat or is it all yeah. internally state? So uh, again, it's kind of a mix. They'll usually get federal funding and then a mix of state funding. And then again, it's really, uh, and I think this one's more at the county level usually than, you know, again, just speaking from the city of Greensboro, they don't seem to have as much involvement in this, but usually the county kind of administers those programs. So, you know, the, the money comes in, but it usually, you know, funnels into the county and then the county kind of manages that program. So that's why, again, your county government can be really important because they can help determine eligibility for the programs. And then, you know, they're kind of in charge of actually providing the, the service. So, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's so 
you don't think the service is being provided well, you know, it's, that's more of a county level issue. If you don't think there's enough funding for it, you know, that's uh, state usually and, and federal level issue. So. Ah, okay. And so here's another good question, which people have, you know, asked me about. So how does, um, cause, okay. So we're in the city of Greensboro, right? But, you know, for instance, services like that, we have to go to Guilford County Department of Social Services, or, you know, we have to pay property taxes to Guilford County. And so how does the city and county, like, how is that relationship when it comes to the financial side? So the best way to describe that usually, you know, I've heard people say it's kind of like a bowl of spaghetti (laughs) is, uh, uh, you know, again, and Again, we're getting a little specific for like the city of Greensboro, but like, you know, the city of Greensboro, you know, will usually take care of, you know, like roads inside the city of Greensboro. They have a city of Greensboro, you know, police department uh, and the city of Greensboro has a property tax. Right. So, you know, like if you live in the city of Greensboro, like like I do, you have a section of your property tax that goes to Guilford County and then you have an additional one that goes to the city of Greensboro for the services that the city provides, you know, like the trash and the, and the sewage and, uh, uh, you know, the, the other things. And so, you know, there's, it, it's like I said, it can get really complicated because a road, right, a road can start in Guilford County and then go into the city of Greensboro. And if you want to fix that road, you know, Greensboro and county have to work together. And so there's usually a lot of funding, you know, that can that can go back and forth. So uh, and, you know, again, if you Greensboro history, some cities have their own school systems. Right. So Greensboro used to have its own school system. So they would have their own superintendent and their own education funding here in Guilford County, we're consolidated. So the county manages all of the schools. But it just goes to show you sometimes there can be duplications of the service just within the county and within the city. So, uh, yeah. So I, I guess that's my way of saying it can get very complicated. (laughs) It's like, you know, when you ask lawyers, you know, it's like, it's complicated. Maybe, you know, it's like, you never because because it's so many variables that it could be. And so I guess the overall gist is that, you know, you may have to pay city and county, but the city pays for city services. So like your city police department, the trash, you know, that type mm-hmm. of stuff. And then the county stuff pays for the county services. So that's more right. like overarching things like uh, Medicaid, Medicare, you know, food right, stamps, right. things like that. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a thank you for that explanation, because I think that will help people also when they start looking at their bills and things like that, you know, it, it gives them more understanding on how this all works together, right? Right, because a good example there, like you said, since we, the county controls our school systems, if you have an issue with what's going on in your schools and, you know, like in Greensboro, you go to your city council and you say, you know, oh, the the schools are terrible. We need to do something about it. The city would say, okay, we'll go talk to your county commissioner, right? So (laughs) (laughs) you're telling this, you're telling us this why. Right, exactly. So, and that's a good point. So like, if there are any issues that you see in your local community, it's important to know 
how it's being funded so you know who to actually go to. Um, right. That's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, just like you were just saying, like I'm in the city of Greensboro. So of course I would have automatically thought, well, the city controls these schools. So I need to go to the mm -hmm. city. Well, no, you're actually complaining to the wrong person. It needs to be the county because that's who actually right. controls it here. Um, right. So that's why this information is so important because, you know, it all starts with education and knowledge. You have to know this stuff first, so that way you can start enacting change if that's your prerogative, you know? You can start enacting change. You can start looking at the ballots a little differently. You can start doing a little more research, looking at your bills a little differently. You know, I personally feel like the city of Greensboro does an excellent job with keeping us educated. It's just a lot of times, their education goes in the trash because it's yeah. in there, you know, with our bill and stuff. And so like every month with our water bill, they give us like a whole newsletter um, for the city. And so it tells you like what they're doing, what's going on, what type of programs are available, grant opportunities, maybe like there's so much information in that one pager um, that I feel like, you know, if we just read it a little more, get more in tune with our community, pretty much, right. um, we can kind of use it to our advantage and use it to help other people and things like that. So I, I thank you for this education, because it all starts <laughs> with this, right? So speaking of history, right? So mm -hmm. let's just talk about, so when we talk about state government, local government, things like that, what part of economics is that? Like, where does that all fall in? Like, is it macro, micro? What is macro, micro? <laughs> you know, that type of thing. Yeah, sure. So, uh, I mean, I would say it's probably both. You know, a lot of times people think of the, the government in terms of macro, um, you know, especially when you get to the national level. So you've got the Fed and you've got, so like monetary policy would be one piece. And then fiscal policy is, is the other piece. So that's very much macroeconomics, which is, you know, what happens when interest rates go up or go down? What happens when the government, you know, runs a deficit or, or doesn't? Uh, so that's one level, I think, where the government is macro. But there's also a lot of, I think, you know, what's called microeconomics, which is more at the individual level. So uh, it's one of the things I'll actually, you know, UNCG, when I was at the Bryan School, I uh, microeconomics was the focus of my program. And what they spend a lot of time on is, you know, they'll do, you know, modeling of things like WIC, which is the uh, women's infants and children, you know, it's a program. So they'll try to model how effective these programs are at reaching the people they're supposed to reach. And what does it do, you know, to change their behaviors one way or the other? So, you know, again, if you really want to go, you know, like down the rabbit hole, there's probably millions of pages of economic analysis of people saying, you know, we need more funding for WIC or we need less funding for WIC or, you know, WIC does this or food stamps do this. And that's really kind of the microeconomic level. So you'll see it everywhere. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. So just to recap for my audience, so macro is looking at more of the overarching, you know, policies, so like the federal government and how interest rates move, how much money's being printed, you know, all that stuff. And then micro is more on a personal level, like, you know, your local government, your local, you know, how does that affect you as an everyday person type thing? And I think having an under, just even a basic understanding of both will um, allow you to kind of use it and pivot to your advantage um, and to your community's advantage, 
but you have to know how it all works to begin with. And I know a lot of people, um, especially my listeners, because, you know, I've had a lot of different conversations about, you know, economics and things like that. And a lot of people just don't understand how the government works, which I completely get. I was horrible with economics when I was in school. Um, like those were the toughest classes for me because it's like sometimes it doesn't quite make sense. Like, how do you just print money? Like what, like, what is it based on? You know, that type of thing. But then once you start getting an understanding of how it affects your everyday life, then it's like, hmm. Okay, well, I know that right now in the economic cycle, we're at a peak. So what's coming next? It's probably going to be a recession. So what can I do to prepare for that on a personal level, you know, with my household? And so, like, I just had this conversation with my husband uh, yesterday, actually. I said, yeah, it's about to hit the fan really, really soon. And so we need to start positioning ourselves, you know, in a way to where when it does hit the fan, we aren't as affected. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, yeah, that's a good, I think, approach to it. Cause uh, you know, again, it's, it's really hard, you know, it's really hard to predict recessions. If anybody could do that really well, you know, they, they'd be, they'd be rich. But I mean, you know, we do know that as the economy gets, you know, stronger, as it, you know, it gets easier for you to borrow money. And at some point that all turns around. So if you're stuck in a position where you've borrowed a lot of money when it was easy to borrow money, and then suddenly everybody's not giving out money anymore that's how you you get in trouble you know <laughs> so, so like you said that's why you know you you need to you know be conservative i think with debt in general is is my uh you know just my tidbit of advice and that's why is because when times are good if people will hand out credit cards you know and you can rack up twenty thousand dollars of debt and then suddenly you want to roll it over and no one's giving you another credit card and <laughs> Right. And and yeah. even another example that can bring it home for the audience is if you look at the 2008-2009 crisis, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody was getting houses, um, you know, it, and people that probably shouldn't have been approved were getting approved, subprime mortgages, all types of things. And when it hit the fan, you know, really those people weren't supposed to have the houses to begin with because they couldn't afford it. So then when it came a time where people started losing their jobs because businesses are not making enough to support the salaries and, you know, everything starts domino affecting, it's like, okay, now I have this house that I really couldn't afford to begin with, but a bank told me, yes. Yeah, so I thought that I could. And then mm -hmm. now I'm having to go through bankruptcies and foreclosures and things like that. And so I kind of see the same thing happening now a little bit. And, and the point that I made on my social media not too long ago was that, you know, all the government help that we've been receiving for COVID. Yes, it's been, a, it's been good. It's been great, you know, for the moment. But what that does on an economic level is it pumps money into the system. And so that way it ups the demand of all goods. And so then what happens with that inflation increases. And so now, you know, if you go look at the gas station, like I was just looking the other day, yesterday, when we were over there on Gate City, and I was like $3 and I think it was like $3.50, $3.60 a gallon for regular. I'm like, in North Carolina, that's like usually unheard of. Like we kind of yeah. maxed out at three. So it's just <laughs> like, now things cost way more than what they, you look at the housing market, right? Um, and so it's like, things are costing way more. So when that, uh, government help and everything stops, 
then what? Because now people are accustomed to living this lifestyle that they've set up for themselves. And so now once that happened, bam, we have an income cliff and then we come crashing down. And so it's being aware of how everything plays together. Like everything that the government does, everything that we do, it all affects something else. And so you kind of have to, and part of that is being exposed to this type of knowledge. That's why I wanted to have you on is because you have to know how these things all work together. So that way you can be aware of what's really happening, what's really happening with your finances, right? Because sometimes sometimes it's outside forces that are affecting these things. And you're just like, all you see is, oh my gosh, like I don't have any money. But then you're not realizing, okay, well, it's because inflation is super high. It's the highest that has been in 20, 30 years. And so that's why you don't have any money is because you're spending way more your, than your spending's gone up. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's, and this might not be no fault of you. I mean, just look at gas. Like you're just trying to cover your basic necessities, but everything is at a higher cost. I had some people talking about meat the other day. They were like, Oh my gosh, meat in the grocery store is ridiculous. I'm like, everything is ridiculous at this point. Um, but it all goes back to economics and having this knowledge to where you can understand, okay, the law of supply and demand. You know, if money's being pumped in, demand goes up, supply, you know, it starts getting lower and lower. And so it has to go back to equilibrium. And usually how that happens is prices raise. So that way, less and less people can afford it. And so that way we can come back here and the Mm -hmm. economy can kind of balance out. But it's going to be a a hard balance this time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I know I went on a tangent, um, but- (laughs) <laughs> but um, I do want to get a little bit more into like the history of this, right? So the history of macro and micro, like how, I guess my question is, how did this all get set up? Like, how did this become a thing? Like, how are we in where we are right now? <laughs> <laughs> like from the economic well, yeah. yeah, so economic history wise, you know, and, and this is kind of, you know, I, I will say it's sort of a very Western type, you know, per perspective, but, uh, you know, there was a, a book, uh, it actually came out in like 1776, the year of the American Revolution called the, the Wealth of Nations. And it's like this thick and Adam Smith is the author. Um, he was like a Scottish, uh, you know, English, Scottish, uh, you know, sort of social commentator. And, uh, you know, it's a very, it's both macro kind of and micro. He didn't, they didn't call it macro and micro then, but, you know, there was a big preoccupation, you know, kind of from the 1700s to, you know, the early 1800s of why are some nations prosperous and others aren't. Uh, And, you know, kind of the idea then there was a thing called mercantilism, which was based off of uh, gold. So they thought, hey, if you have a lot of gold, then you must be a really wealthy nation. So, you know, they basically had kind of political scientists whose job was to figure out how do you get more gold for your country, right? Mm. Um, And Adam Smith is actually, he's interesting because he was the first person who kind of realized that it's not really the gold. It's just, it's really just the amount of stuff that you can make. Uh, Because again, this goes way back, but like Spain, uh, when Spain discovered, you know, not really discovered because people were already there, but you know, when Spain first made it over to the new world, they got a lot of gold. And to go back all the way to Tiffany's point, all this gold came over to Spain. And what ended up happening is everything in Spain got really expensive because they had all this 
money, right? But not more stuff. So it really wasn't all that good for Spain. And so, you know, Adam Smith, again, started, started the idea of, you know, how do we produce more and become more prosperous. Um, and then there's kind of a line, you know, from there of people studying Adam Smith, and then they realize, you know, there's stuff that happens at the individual level. And then there are big things, you know, like how do you finance your budget effectively? What are the roles, you know, of, of banks? And that, you know, is kind of like the classical era of economics. And what came out of that, you know, is, is the sort of the idea that the government should be hands off. You know, they thought, so the idea is, you know, you still see this a lot, that economics is an equilibrium system, so the government should just stay out of it, you know, when supply goes down, prices goes, go up, and, you know, that's kind of the idea, and then there was a thing, you know, the Great Depression in 1929, and people argue, you know, that what that showed is, no, the economy isn't always a self-regulating system, because we had massive unemployment, and, you know, people were a lot of misery for almost a decade, right? So they argued like, how can you say the economy is a quickly adjusting system when you're looking at this, right? So there was a much more interventionist sort of macro policy that came out of that. And that kind of takes you to where we are today, where, you know, with computers and people trying to be scientific about, hey, the government does have some role to play in the economy, but we're never quite sure exactly how much. Uh, because again, you know, right now we're seeing inflation. In the 1970s, we had a similar thing where it looked like the government way overstimulated the economy and it caused massive inflation. And we had to raise interest rates to try and balance things out which pushed the economy into a recession and nobody's happy when there's a recession. Uh, so, you know, again, it's kind of this, this, you know, sort of like cat and mouse game now of how much should we intervene versus how much shouldn't we? And COVID's the latest example of that, right? Like, again, you know, kind of to Tiffany's point, we intervened way more with COVID than we did in 2008 or 2009. And so what are going to be the repercussions of that? We don't know, right? We're, we're about to find out over the next few years. So. Yes. And I mean, if you think back, um, just like we were saying, like with 2008, 2009, the government had to start stepping in and bailing out these companies that kind of got mm -hmm. themselves in a mess um, to try to save the economy, you know, without it completely collapsing. Right. Um, which, like, if you just think about that, just on a, like, on that level, it's like, wow, like <laughs> we can kind of be detrimental to ourselves. Um, and the government, they do have some tools to kind of step in and try to level things out. But like in this situation currently, you know, inflation is the highest and interest rates are the lowest. And so usually how the government steps in and tries to save the economy is by, you know, either lowering or raising interest rates. And if they raise it, then it's going to like, usually they raise it and correct me if I'm wrong. Cause like I said, economics is not my strong suit. Um, <laughs> if they raise it, it, will kind of send everything further downhill. And usually they try to lower it to, you know, kind of recover, right? Yeah, um, that's right. And that's the Fed. The Fed will raise the rates to try to slow things down or, you know, lower them to try to pump things up. Is Right. And see where we are right now, there's really nowhere to go because, <laughs> you know, we can't lower them any further because they're already at the lowest. And right. when I was at the Bryan School um, in one of my econ classes, um, she's a phenomenal economist, but she 
had already like, and this was back in what, 2017, 2018, she was already talking about this. She's like, we can't go any lower with interest rates because then if anything was to happen, there's no way that we can recover. And now look at us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And she was saying it back then because interest rates were low. Um, And so it's like, wow, like once you start really thinking about how all of these things play a role in everything, it's kind of mind blowing. But then also it's a little empowering because then you can kind of see for yourself, you know, okay, if I know that interest rates are at its lowest and I know that inflation is at its highest and the government, like there's really... I I mean, unless they come up with some new economic policy, like Mm -hmm. there's really no way for them to really help us recover, then you can kind of start like for your own personal house, you know, kind of getting things in order, maybe lowering debt, like Derek said. So that way, when things do come crashing down, you don't have all this overhead that you have to pay. You can just focus on, you know, surviving at that point. Um, And so anyway, all of that to say, All of this stuff is super important to kind of at least get a basis of understanding. Um, And that's why Derek is on today, because he is the man. (laughs) He's the man for all of this. Now, I do want to hit on one more thing, because I'm so excited about this. Um, I know that you're running for local office. Um, So if you can just explain that a little bit for my listeners that are here in our community, um, what position are you running for and why? Pretty much. Sure. Well, I you know, I appreciate you bringing that up. So I'm planning to run for county commissioner in Guilford County in uh, what's called the District Three. So again, you know, we touch on local government. Uh, you know, sometimes just like in the House, they'll kind of draw your area into different districts, and so people who live in that area, you know, can elect a certain person. So that's those are called the districts. The other thing you have is called at large, which is where it's kind of a general, it's almost like electing the president, right? Like it's everybody gets a vote in that certain, in that certain area. So, you know, I, I plan to run for county commissioner. And, you know, one of the reasons, you know, for that is, you know, again, I think people should be involved in local government. Um, you know, we touched a little bit on the schools. So, uh, you know, we, as Tiffany mentioned, we had a bond referendum back in, uh, uh, I think it was 2020 that passed. Obviously, the financing for it didn't get passed. And then, you know, based off of the need that, you know, to me, it seems to be, uh, you know, it maybe was not quite enough. So that's, you know, I want to get involved in that. Um, Another thing kind of in our county, uh, you know, I always say like our state has done pretty well economically. Um, and certain regions, the the triangle and the triad, or, or not the triad, I'll say the triangle and our Charlotte metro region have done really well over the past decade. Our county has has kind of been, I don't know, plateauing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Incomes, you know, median incomes have actually gone down a little bit. And, you know, why that's bad, you know, obviously, you know, the story of the U.S. over the past, you know, couple hundred years is people's incomes going up. You know, they have more purchasing power overall. So if we're not having that, you know, that means people are less well off. You know, if you've got inflation, it makes it even worse. Uh, You know, it can drive down housing prices, which lowers your property tax revenue. So it's kind of, you know, I feel like our state is on a good trajectory. For some reason, our county isn't. And, you know, I think it's number one, we're not really investing in our education. Um, And then, you know, number two, uh, I don't really think we kind of have an economic development strategy 
And that's kind of, you know, my area. So that's why, you know, I encourage people to get involved in local politics. And, you know, this is my way, you know, trying to practice what I what I preach a little bit. Um, and the other thing I'll just mention, it's it's almost a total uh, aside, but it related to our earlier conversation is uh, most counties have a school board. So when we talked about getting involved with your school, the school board is usually another elected entity um, and they kind of work between the county and the state on, you know, funding you know for for teachers they hire the superintendent of the schools so that's another area you know again because to me public education is one of the things you should be most concerned about at the local level because it really affects you know those are the people that you're turning out into your community you know for for jobs and everything so if you have a poor public education system you're not on a good long-term trajectory. So that's why I just wanted to throw that in there for anybody who's really interested in local education. Your county is one place to go, but the school board is another important thing to look at. Awesome. Awesome. And I also want to throw out there because I hear a lot of people like, oh, teachers don't get paid enough and, you know, things like that. And so if that's a concern of yours, join the school board, join the county commission, because right. the people that you know, have they're the liaison with the state to get us to where we need to be. So um, right. thank you so much for bringing that up. Um, this is phenomenal information, very educational. And um, hopefully my audience got, uh, if, if nothing else, I hope that my audience got the gist that everything is connected, how you vote is important, how the economy works is important. So that way you can apply it in your everyday life and have more of an understanding of what is going on. So Derek, with all of that being said, because you dropped so many gems, how can people get in contact with you if they were interested in reaching out or learning more about you? Sure. Um, so I guess I, I'm on LinkedIn. So if you type my name, Derek Mobley, I'm probably one of the first ones that'll come up. Um, also, you know, for campaign wise, my uh, website is electmobley.com. So, you know, it's all just one thing, electmobley.com. If you go there, it's got my email address and, you know, the number, uh, which will, you know, forward to my phone. So I, I, and I'm on Facebook, so I should be pretty, I'm pretty easy to find. And, you know, I, I try to be transparent. So feel free to reach out. Yes, absolutely. And I will tell you all from experience. Well, first of all, I have all of those links in the show notes. So don't worry if you didn't catch that. Check out the show notes. You can click, click, click and um, get with Derek, um, you know, whatever your heart desires. But um, I will tell you all from experience, Derek is very, very, very passionate about the community. Um, we've served on boards together. We've done different things around the community together. Um, so I can vouch for that personally. Um, he is an awesome person and he's very forthcoming with any knowledge that he has. Like I know when I was serving on a board here locally that he had just just, you know, fell off of, I was like, Derek, I need help with this. I need this. I need, can you, can you help me with this? And he was always so nice. Um, and he was always so helpful. And so I highly recommend if you have any questions about how the government, the local government works or any questions about, you know, county commissioner position, if you just wanted more education on what that even means or what that entails, please reach out to Derek because he is a phenomenal person to have um, as a knowledge base. Like we were, we used to joke and say like, he is the encyclopedia of everything because he knows so much, um, but he's so forthcoming with that knowledge. So thank you so much, Derek, for being on the show today. And I wish you well in your, um, you know, your running, your candidacy, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. 
Thank you for listening, joining, and being a part of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast this week. You can check Tiff out every Thursday for a new Money Talk podcast. But if you just can't wait until next week, you can listen to previous podcast episodes at moneytalkwitht.com or follow Tiff on all social media platforms at Money Talk with T. Until next time, spend wise by spending less than you make. A word to the money wise is always sufficient. <laughs>